Welcome in everyone to the Football Addicts Anonymous podcast. Good to have Logan here today for a little bit, anyways. Uh, Good to be here. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff happening. Not necessarily NFL news, but uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Trade. Uh, got some USFL stuff. Hall of Fame semifinalists for the seniors and the coach contributor categories. And then uh, finish off NFC West season preview, our first divisional season preview of the offseason. Um, so, start here with uh, the USFL. We had some insight with a... Uh, interview that Birmingham head coach Skip Holtz did uh, some insight into what is to come for the 2023 USFL season. So the league is planning to expand rosters from 50 to 75. That'll uh, split the uh, bottom 15 or so, however many they put on the practice squad, as well as the active roster. So, I mean, that's good. It, it gives more guys opportunities. Um, you know, 15 more guys will get opportunities to play professional football and develop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, they, uh, he said the OTAs are going to be planned for October. The uh, Possibly in each team's home market, which is, was a surprise, and we're not completely sure on if that's true or not um but skip holtz said that uh otas will be held in each team's home market yeah i think i think both of those um insights uh really bode well for the health of the league itself and kind of where they're at um i don't think you would make those kind of changes if um you know, you were worried about the, the leagues just surviving. Um, like we know in the past, leagues have just come and gone um, in the blink of an eye. So I think both of those uh, those things bode well for the USFL sticking around, uh, at least uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Yeah, Fox has enough money they can, uh, they can <laughs> afford the costs it takes to uh, get the league up and running and popularized in, in culture. All right, let's talk about the trade. Baker finally is moving. The Panthers acquired Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield for a 2024 conditional fifth-round selection. Um the it can become a fourth rounder if he plays 70 percent or more of the snaps this season uh but still i mean the browns the browns don't get that pick until 2024 two years down the line uh two drafts away so they uh the browns they are going to be paying baker mayfield ten and a half million of his guaranteed 18.8 million um fifth year option the panthers they will pay him five million and then uh, mayfield agreed to a three and a half million dollar pay cut 
the Browns will now be playing uh will now be paying Baker ten and a half million to beat them in week one. <laughs> because it is Browns at Panthers week one. Yeah. Yeah, I joked they were gonna have that they're gonna have to flex it to prime time just because <laughs> everyone's going to want to see Baker all fired up. Jacoby Brissett versus Baker Mayfield, huh? <laughs> just <laughs> studded. <laughs> Primetime game. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not completely 100% that, that Baker will be the number one QB. Uh, they do still like Sam Darnold in Carolina. And... Uh, they paid a lot more to get him than they did Baker. So, we'll see. It's going to be a battle. Uh, I don't know if Matt Corral really has a shot now. Uh, I thought he did with just Sam Darnold being there and P.J. Walker. But, now I'm not so sure. Yeah. If I was a bed man, I'd put it on Baker. Um, and I do think that he is better um, I think it gets them marginally better at the quarterback position, but I don't think it's enough, obviously, of an upgrade to materially affect, you know, kind of their success this year. Does this move save Matt Rule? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't see it. All right. We'll talk about that more during our NFC South season preview. Mm-hmm. Uh, other NFL news. So, uh, the Hall of Fame announced its semifinalists for the seniors and the coach contributor spot. So, um, 12 Seniors and 12 coaches and contributors will be selected as finalists. They have a uh, meeting, I believe it's August, I forget, 16th or 23rd, somewhere around middle to late August. They will have their meeting uh, to select finalists. And then uh, up to three seniors and one coach contributor um, will be selected to the 2023 Hall of Fame class. So there are 25 senior committee players. Um, their last, in order to be a senior on the uh, senior committee selection ballot, you have to have played your last season no later than 1996. Uh, so they are Bengals quarterback Ken Anderson. He played for the Bengals his whole career, 71 to 86. 49ers running back Roger Craig. He was with the Niners, 83 to 90, with the LA Raiders, 91, and with the Vikings, 92 to 93. Uh, Oilers wide receiver returner Billy White Shoes Johnson. He was with the Oilers, 74 to 80, uh, the Falcons, 82 to 87, and the Redskins, 88. Uh, the Raiders corner Lester Hayes. He was with uh, the Raiders in Oakland and LA. 77 to 86. Uh, Broncos linebacker Randy Gratishar with the Broncos from 74 to 83. Eagles linebacker Maxie Bond 
with the Eagles from 60 to 65, the uh, LA Rams 66 to 70, and the Redskins in 74. Browns linebacker Clay Matthews Jr. with the Browns 78 to 93, and the Falcons 94 to 96. Uh, Falcons linebacker Tommy Novus. He was with the Falcons 66 to 76. Uh, Cowboys linebacker Chuck Howley, actually drafted by the Bears, was with them 58 to 59. Interesting note on him, because uh, I was reading some of these guys' stories as I looked them up when they played with who. Uh, he actually retired after two seasons, thought he had an uh, unrepairable knee injury, came back after missing the 60 season, came back with the Cowboys 61 to 73, played a fantastic career with Dallas in the 60s and early 70s. Uh, Chiefs wide receiver Otis Taylor, 65 to 75 with KC. Packers wide receiver Sterling Sharp with the Packers 88 to 94. Dolphins wide receiver Mike Clayton, or Mark Clayton, uh, Dolphins 83 to 92, and also a Packer in 93. Uh, Patriots wide receiver Stanley Morgan with the Patriots 77 to 89, and the Colts in 90. Uh, Mark Clayton, actually, when I first looked that up, I was thinking Mark Clayton, Ravens Mark Clayton. <laughs> mm. And I was like, oh, I forgot there's two Mark Claytons. Uh, another Packer, Packers end. Laverne Dillwig with the Milwaukee Badgers, Badgers in nineteen twenty six and the Packers from twenty seven to thirty four. Have you heard of Laverne Dillwig? I have not, unfortunately. I'm not up on my Laverne Dillwig uh, <laughs> knowledge, but I'll tell you what, I did fill across the Milwaukee Badgers one time when I was down a complete wikipedia uh <laughs> <laughs> hole <laughs> if you'll um so a little bit about that but. look laverne dillwig uh laverne ralph lavi dillwig lavi was his uh nickname he was a football player an attorney and a u.s congressman in wisconsin apparently he went to marquette <laughs> Get out. He went to Moles. He went to Marquette University no Law School. Oh, my God. He's one of us. Yes. <laughs> raised in, Born and raised in Milwaukee. Uh, I don't know where Washington High School is. But, yes, Marquette University played college football for the Golden Avalanche. Was Marquette the Golden Avalanche at one point? Yeah, they were. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I had never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, it predated the uh, the Golden Eagles moniker and even the Warriors moniker that they had dropped. Um, yes. Yeah. So he played college football at Marquette University. <laughs> uh, and yeah, went to Marquette Law School. And while he was in law school, he played for the Milwaukee Badgers in 1926. <laughs> that's incredible man yeah he he said i was reading up on it he said uh he put he, he had his football practice in the morning and then he would go to law school at, or, or no 
I think that was a different guy. Yeah, no. When he was with the Packers, when he signed with the Packers, he would have football in the morning and then go to his law firm <laughs> afterwards. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so, Laverne Dillwig, great, great guy. <laughs> uh, Renaissance man. Part of the the great, uh, the, the early, early Packers teams. Anyways, uh, Colts offensive tackle Chris Hinton uh, was with Baltimore was with the Colts in Baltimore and Indy eighty three to eighty nine the Falcons ninety to ninety three and the Vikings ninety four to ninety five uh, Dolphins guard Bob Kuchenberg with the Dolphins seventy to eighty four Packers quarterback slash running back Cecil Isbell he was with the Packers thirty eight to forty two. Uh, he had some records, actually, um, back then. Played, like I said, quarterback and running back. Uh, he had the original longest streak with a touchdown pass. Uh, 23 straight wow. games he threw a touchdown pass in the uh, 1920s. Wow. Or, or the that's 1930s, actually, yeah, that's 1930s. A, that's a big uh, accomplishment, really, if you think about <laughs> it, because – of how different the game was back then. Yeah, he was uh, one of the greatest tailbacks of the 30s and 40s. Uh, Redskins off to tackle Joe Jacoby was with Washington 81-93. Falcons slash Colts offensive to tackle George Coons. Falcons 69-74. to uh, Baltimore Colts 75-80. to Falcons off to tackle Mike Ken. Uh, was with them 78-94. Jets defensive lineman Joe Klecko was with the Jets 77-87 and the Colts in 88. Vikings defensive end Jim Marshall with the Browns in 60 and the Vikings 61-79. Uh, Rams corner Eddie Meter was with the LA Rams 59-70. Bengals corner Ken Riley 69-83. Uh, and then Cowboys corner uh, defensive back Everson Walls, Cowboys eighty one to eighty nine, Giants ninety to ninety two, and the Browns ninety two to ninety three. So, do you see three senior finalists that you think will uh, make the class next well, year? Well, first off, I think we need to start the agenda the laverne <laughs> the laverne Del- delwig agenda needs to be started by us uh so that we can get get one of our own in um other than him the only guy that i can really and it's kind of a homer pick i think but i, I think it could and potentially should have happened is um is sterling sharp uh packers wide receiver from 88 to 94 if you look at you know, what he was able to do in his short career, which was cut short due to a neck injury. Um, I mean, he was one of the most dominant wide receivers of his era. Um, and, you know, I think the Calvin Johnson um, admittance to the hall kind of established a precedent for allowing guys in with shorter careers, but who were incredibly dominant in their time and mm-hmm. changed, kind of fundamentally changed 
um, kind of the game. I mean, looking at his his stuff here, three-time first-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowl. He led the NFL in receptions three times. Um, he led the NFL in receiving touchdowns twice, and he was the receiving yards leader in 92. That's a pretty good resume for a guy who only had seven seasons because it was cut short due to a neck injury. That's somebody who I would kind of um, pound the table, table for, if you will, for the Packers delegation. Yeah, he was a he was a close fourth for me. Uh, but my third guy that I had was Niners running back Roger Craig, instrumental mm-hmm. part of the late Montana years, the early Steve Young years um, in San Fran and uh, with the Raiders and Vikings as well. But, yeah, Roger Craig was my first one there. Uh, like I said, he was the last guy I picked. The other two I thought were pretty easy to pick. Um, my second guy was Redskins offensive tackle Joe Jacoby. I mean, Oops. he was a part of the John Riggins era in Washington where they were just dominant uh, mm-hmm. on the offensive line. So uh, he was my second guy. And then my third one, I think this guy is a shoe in uh, with the 25 guys that we have. Everson Walls uh, was a great part of the 80s Cowboys before they started winning the Super Bowls in the 90s and after they had won the Super Bowls in the 70s. Um, so he was he was in the, the Cowboys years that they weren't very good, um, but he was one of the best players of those teams and then played with the Giants and Browns as well. Um, I think... Lewis Riddick was on the Browns with him. Uh, I can't remember if he was old enough to be on the Browns in 92 or 93 yet. But uh, I, I know uh, Lewis, I believe Lewis Riddick has, has talked about Everson Walls highly in the past. So I think Everson Walls is like the guy in that 25 that needs to get in most definitely. And then, yeah. Uh, Clay Matthews Jr. as well. He's been uh, around the Hall of Fame for a while. Uh, Billy White Shoes Johnson as well, I think, has an opportunity. And then the other guy that I like is uh, Joe Klecko as well. Okay, uh, Coach Contributors. I didn't see how many how many people we have. It feel, I think there's more coach contributors for one spot than there is for uh, the players in potentially three spots. doesn't have to be three spots for the players. There can be less, one or two, but uh, three is the max, which they uh, expanded last year, I believe it was. Uh, but, yeah, the coach contributors, Oilers owner K.S. Bud Adams Jr. owned the Oilers from 60 to 2013. Uh, creator of Monday Night Football, Rune Arledge. Uh, Oilers slash Titan Scout C.O. Brocato was with uh, the, the Oilers and Titans 40 years, 75 to 14. Um, Chargers head coach Don Coriel was the St. Louis Cardinals 
head coach 73 to 77 and then uh the chargers head coach in san diego 78 to 86 eagles athletic trainer otho davis with the baltimore colts 71 to 72 and the eagles 73 to 95 uh canton bulldogs owner there you go ralph hay owned the bulldogs from 1918 to 22 major throwback uh 49ers executive john mcveigh that's sean mcveigh's grandfather uh he was the vp of football administration for the Niners, 80 to 94, and the uh, special assistant to the president in 95, and then the GM from 98 to 99. Uh, Chiefs president slash GM Carl Peterson was in that role with the Chiefs 89 to 08. Um, Patriots executive Frank Bucko Kilroy, director of player personnel, 71 to 78. The GM, 79 to 82. Uh, Vice President, 83 to 93, and then a scout consultant from 94 to 2006. Ram scout Eddie Kotal was with the LA Rams, 46 to 65. Uh, Bucks slash Falcons GM Rick McKay. Uh, that's supposed to be Rich. I don't remember. It's Rich or Rick. I don't know. I feel like it's supposed to be Rich, but I might have just typed Rick. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> with the Bucks, uh, their GM ninety four to 03, Super Bowl with uh, John Gruden. With the Falcons, uh, he was their GM oh three to 08. and then uh, he is the Falcons president right now. Has been in that role since oh eight. Uh, Browns slash Ravens owner Art Modell with the Browns uh, owned the Browns sixty one to ninety five, moved them to Baltimore to become the Ravens. Uh, 96-204. Cowboys founder Clint Murchison Jr. owned the team from 60, their inception in 60 to uh, 84. Steelers head coach Buddy Parker. He was the St. Louis Cardinals head coach in 49. The Lions head coach in 51-56. And then the Steelers head coach 57-64. Broncos and Falcons head coach Dan Reeves. Coached the uh, Broncos 81 to 92, the Giants 93 to 96, and the Falcons 97 to 03. Um, it's kind of crazy that he got that someone. I don't think I've seen this in as of late. Someone getting like three straight head coaching opportunities, not having to go to a coordinator role or or mm-hmm. some other role for a year or two. Um, but Dan Reeves, three straight head coaching opportunities. And it was funny, too, because I turned on the TV here in uh, NFL Network, and it was the 1998 NFC Championship game, Falcons-Vikings, uh, where the Falcons upset, uh, number two seed Falcons upset the 16-1 and Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randall Cunningham and co. In Minnesota. Uh Journalist and Packers director of PR slash historian Lee Remmel, or Remmel, uh, with the Packers seventy four to two thousand seven. Steelers VP Art Rooney Jr. He was the uh, personnel director from sixty five to eighty six, and he is the current vice president. Has been in that role since eighty seven, and I didn't know Art Rooney 
Jr. is a different person than Art Rooney II, the current Steelers owner. Did not know that. I had to, I had to look. I took a long time looking this stuff up. I was like, I was so confused because you type Art Rooney Jr. into Google and it comes Art, Art Rooney II. Not the same guy. <laughs> yes, it's just some ticking. <laughs> you, you had to do more research than what we have to do for our trial briefs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Art Rooney Jr. is the son of Art Rooney, the original owner, the founder of the Steelers. Art Rooney the second is the son of Dan Rooney. Art Rooney Jr. is Dan Rooney's brother. So it's Art Rooney the second who owns the Steelers. It's his uncle is Art Rooney Jr. I don't know. I don't know why. That's not confusing at all. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I don't know why they why they would do that. I don't know. I mean, actually, it kind of makes sense to me, because whenever I have kids, one of the names I have Raymond has always been in my family. But I wasn't gonna name my kid Raymond. I have Mm an uncle that's named Raymond. Uh, He's Raymond Jr. So it'd be the same thing if I named mine Raymond the third Mm -hmm. or or Raymond the second. Ray though, I'm I'm keeping Ray if I if I ever have kids. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, Chiefs head coach Marty Schottenheimer, the Browns eighty four to eighty eight, the Chiefs eighty nine to ninety eight, the Redskins in 01, and the Chargers o two to o six. Uh, referee Jim Tooney, I don't know if it's Tooney or Tunney. He was an NFL referee, 60 to 90, 30 years as an NFL official. The only one uh, to ever work back-to-back Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, he worked six Super Bowls, I think, total in his 30 years. Also, one of two officials to have worked uh, the first, what was it? 16 Super Bowls or something like that. I don't know. It was more than that. Mm. I don't know. It was something like that. Uh, Referee Jerry Seaman uh, was a referee 75 to 90, and then the NFL Senior Director of Officiating from 91 to 2001. Uh, And then this guy was interesting because – you know, most of the time when you're talking about Hall of Fame, it's head coaches, if you're talking coach category. Mm. But I, when I was looking at this guy on Wikipedia, uh, he was a head coach, but it wasn't for long. At I think he was with the, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Redskins. I think he was one, uh, one year with the Redskins as well as their head coach. But the majority of his time, he was the Bears defensive coordinator, Clark Shaughnessy, uh, with the Bears, 51-62. to 62. He uh, was instrumental in creating the 5-3-3 defense um, that allowed their outside linebackers to move and cover more. I don't know. I don't. You don't really see people using 5-3-3. It's usually the opposite. It's a... Three three five, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's a five three three. It said, "Trust in Wikipedia, y'all." <laughs> what you're told not to do in school. <laughs> five three three is when you're playing Derrick Henry. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's when that's, that's when you run the uh, the eight two defense. The eight. Uh, yeah. The, the nine two defense. <laughs> uh, Elias Sports Bureau owner Seymour Siwoff, fifty two to nineteen. He owned Elias Sports Bureau. Uh, Packers scout Jack Venisi was a scout with the Packers, fifty to sixty. Uh, set up. Unfortunately, I was reading his too. His was a good read too. Uh, set up the Lombardi years uh, with some amazing drafts in the fifties, and uh, unfortunately died at thirty-three of a heart attack uh, in 1960, the year before they won their first NFL championship since uh, what was it forty-four? They won one in sixty-one. And, uh, yeah, so unfortunately for him, he died before he could see his success pay off with the great drafts they had in the 50s. Um, Chief Scout Lloyd Wells uh, was with the Chiefs 63. I couldn't find an exact date of when, like, he stopped working for the Chiefs. I don't know if he, uh, like, stopped working. Like, he was working up until he died at 85. Uh, I believe is is how old he was when he died in uh, I don't know I don't know when that was the early two thousands I think it was, um, but yeah I, I couldn't find a, an exact range of when he worked for Kansas City, um, but was instrumental in bringing I talk about Chiefs wide receiver Otis Taylor is a semifinalist on the player side, uh, yeah Lloyd Wells was the guy. Uh, bringing, he was integral in, in bringing African American players uh, to the Chiefs and bringing HBCU players uh, to the AFL teams because the NFL wasn't really integrating the HBCU and the black players, but the AFL had had been bringing those guys in, and that's mm-hmm. how they were really competing with the NFL at that time. Uh. And then finally, Cowboys, Eagles, and Ravens executive John Wooten. He was the uh, a scout with the Cowboys, seventy-five to seventy-nine. Cowboys director of pro personnel, eighty to ninety-one. The Eagles director of player personnel, ninety-two to ninety-three. Eagles VP of player personnel, ninety-four to ninety-seven. And then the uh, Ravens assistant director of pro and college scouting from ninety-eight to ninety-nine. I have one. I have my my contributor picked, um, and I, I when I saw this guy's name on the list, I was like, "Bro, how has he not been inducted?" Mine is Rune Arledge, the creator of Monday Night Football. I mean, I was just shocked that he was not in. Uh, I remember one of the first classes in undergrad in my sport management program. It was Rune Arlen. We talked about the creation of Monday Night Football and broadcasting. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my guy for the coach contributor category. Yeah, I think that would be a good one, you know, taking into account how he kind of revolutionized the NFL broadcast media. If I had to pick one, because I know that they like giving the owners a lot of love, could probably pick Art Modell, uh, Browns Ravens owner. Um, 
for that span or um bud adams just because the oilers are one of the um more historic franchises in nfl history i could see that also happening so those would be my two picks um if i had to guess who would be uh included yeah if i had if i had another one my other one would be don coriel air coriel offense was uh was a great part in uh revolutionizing the passing game in the 70s and 80s into what it is today uh other nfl news i hate this thing this is the dumbest news of the day uh <laughs> and it's so dumb uh heinz field well is heinz field no more the uh steelers are renaming the stadium Acreshore stadium the stupid name they are a michigan-based insurance brokerage firm uh they signed a 15-year deal for the naming rights they're take they're literally taking the ketchup bottles off the scoreboard. Uh, yeah, that's history right there. I know. It's the, this is why I need, and it's never going to happen because the trend is just more commercialization. But I wish that more stadiums were just like Lambeau Field. Like that's not getting changed. It just is because it's not branded. So, I don't know. It happened, it happened here in Milwaukee. Everyone's all up in arms about Miller Park. In yeah. AmFam Field now. Yeah. Uh, Soldier Field, we still got Soldier Field there. And Chicago as well. Yeah. Uh, couple, couple of the, le- the ones left. But yeah, Heinz Field is no more. I will always call it Heinz Field. I'm not calling it Akershore <laughs> Stadium. <laughs> It's just a tough name to say too. It doesn't flow well. Bro, well, and and their logo, I saw their logo on the uh Steelers announcement today. It's literally like a pyramid. It's like it's a it's a black pyramid with black words. It's, it's like there's there's no color to it. It's so boring. It's just it's just black. <laughs> like bro, like what is your logo yeah. right now? <laughs> Not aesthetic. Yep. <laughs> I guess can't be creative with a logo and put a bunch of colors in it if you're a insurance brokerage firm. That's the thing too. That, that, that's the thing that I didn't understand too. Like, why this company? You couldn't find mm-hmm. w- one that's closer in yeah. terms of geography for one, yeah. and one that's a bigger name. Yeah, I've never heard of them. Yeah, and it, I know that's kind yeah. of been the consensus too on like kind of Twitter, like. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like this feels like an Enron situation all over again. <laughs> I I I kind of hope it is that at the at the behest of the Steelers, it would be bad for them if it is. But get someone better in there. Yeah. I got to deal with this name for fifteen years now. Yeah, the Heinz, Heinz was a 20-year sponsor. Man. Uh, speaking of 15 years, ESPN. Fantasy guru Matthew Barry is gone. He is leaving ESPN 15 years with the company. 
I mean, he is the GOAT. He, <laughs> along with a couple other people, I mean, they built fantasy football into what it is today. Matthew Barry should be on the freaking Hall of Fame semifinalist for a contributor. <laughs> the contributor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... He built. He is. He's one of the legends of of fantasy football. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's crazy. When I looked at this and I I saw the fifteen years, I was like, man, that feels like a really long time. But I mean, like you said, he's been one of the pioneers of fantasy football and has led um, the way for its proliferation. So, I don't know. Very interesting. Is he? It had they said yet? Who he's leaving for? No, he said uh, he said there's a lot of time to talk about where he's going next. Mm-hmm. Right now, he just wants to sit back and enjoy uh, what was 15 years. Man, uh, I'm sure I'm sure they'll have a special on him on ESPN in the like next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, another interesting thing: Broncos. The uh, Walter, Walton Penner, is it Walton Penner? Is that the right name? Uh, yeah. Ownership, so. the new owners of the Broncos, they have added an interesting name to their ownership group. Secret, former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice is now a part owner of the Denver Broncos. Uh, grew up in, in Denver, went to the University of Denver for her undergrad and master's degrees um spent 12 years in denver there so yeah like that's more of a fitting role do you remember a couple years ago when (laughs) like the reports came out that like well who was it like the browns right we're looking at her for like a gm position or something yeah she's also been rumored to be in the running for uh, the next commissioner of the NFL as well. Huh. That, that would be that would be a shock. For one, being the first African American commissioner, let alone the first African American female commissioner. Female, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be two separate glass ceilings <laughs> being broken. Um. Anyways, and then we got a couple a couple things here. Free agent off the tackle, Dwayne Brown arrested in LAX on a concealed gun charge. Um, yeah, it's not not that great uh, carrying a gun into an airport. Yeah, I just <laughs> you just want to know like what these guys are thinking. Like that's just a comp. Like, <laughs> like I couldn't imagine like forgetting like oh like I forgot my guns in my luggage or something. He's like, bro, it's not loaded though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Dolphins tight end Mike Gesicki. He's likely to play on the franchise tag this year. Uh, that's crazy. We like haven't really heard of. I mean, I haven't heard anything on any of the franchise guys um, mm. in terms of contract negotiation. But, I mean, we're getting to it. Uh, yeah. Was it the 16th is the deadline? I think five days. Yeah, I believe so. So uh, I'm sure we'll hear more about 
all those guys. Uh, Jesse Bates, Dalton Schultz, etc. I don't remember who all they are, but uh, yeah, Mike Gesicki. That's one I have heard about though, a couple times, saying like, uh-huh. they have not gotten anywhere near a deal. Uh, Ravens, they finally came to terms with uh, linebacker Justin Houston on a one-year deal. He was one of two guys that got tagged uh, with the. I don't remember what kind of tag it was. It was one of the spe- is like a special tag that like they don't teams don't use very often. Him and Melvin Ingram uh, tagged again. I don't remember the name of the tag, but yeah, uh, they were tagged, and it's a tag where if you uh, if you don't sign with another team, you're you you automatically revert to your last team. Uh, the, the team that tagged you if you don't sign with another team before July 15th or something like that. Mm. That makes sense. Almost like a restricted free agent. Yeah. Uh, Falcons. They signed Bears defensive tackle Eddie Goldman to a one-year deal. I think that's a big get for them. Uh, help Grady Jarrett inside. And mm-hmm. uh, it was funny. I don't think I have the tweet up. But... Um, the Falcons have signed like, I think it was eight, eight Bears free agents this offseason. Mm. <laughs> like, bro, what are you doing? Yeah, like, it's not like you're signing the Rams free agents. Like, that was just gonna say, like, I'm not sure that's the <laughs> that's the model you want to be replicating. <laughs> One guy they didn't get though was Allen Robinson, who they could use. Very badly yeah. right now. <laughs> Who is ironically on the Rams now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, the Cowboys. They signed the first USFL guy. USFL Tampa Bay Bandits linebacker Christian Sam has been signed by the Dallas Cowboys. First guy to get signed. Love A bunch it. of other guys are having visits right now, getting interest, like we said with Chris Odom. But yeah, Christian Sam, first guy. To get signed. I didn't know if you were heading out or not. <laughs> no, I'll be. No, I'm good till five thirty. Oh yeah, five. I see. I was. I was. I was thinking Eastern. I'm not on that. I'm not on that central. Oh, I'm not on that. Guys. I'm not on that central vibe anymore. <laughs> I've been on Eastern time the whole summer, bro. Yeah. Oh, we're good, man. We're good. We're keeping rolling. I'm heading back to Central, though, next week. Or not next week, two weeks. Being Kansas nice. City. Very uh, nice. But anyways, the uh, FAA bets, FAA underscore bets. Uh, Got to go follow that account. We're putting out futures every Monday uh, leading up to the season. Put out our first two last week. Uh, Packers over... 11 wins, Steelers over seven and a half wins, I think it was. And uh, we got two more today that we put out on the Twitter sphere. Uh, the Texans over four and a half wins. Uh, I'm going to try to remember what I wrote on the posts. Um, <laughs> and uh, the Bears under six and a half wins. So the Texans. Uh, you don't know as much as Chris and Mark do on my love for Davis Mills. 
<laughs> but I was I was the biggest Davis Mills fan last year, all year. And I think going into year two, he's got an upgraded supporting cast with him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they signed Marlon Mack. They have Damian Pierce, who I know a lot of fantasy people are uh, hyped about, especially players in Dynasty Leagues. I know I just drafted him in one of mine. Um, they have Brandon Cooks back. John Mechie should help them out at some point this season, uh, coming off the ACL injury in December. Um, and, yeah, I think they, they got some upgrades. Kenyon Green in the draft, A.J. Can they got from the Jags. Uh, so I think, I think it's going to be an upgraded supporting cast, and Davis Mills was on fire the last month or two of the season, month, month and a half. So um, I think if he can continue to develop – uh, you know, maybe, and they kept their offensive coaching staff. I believe Lovey Smith kept them all, so he mm-hmm. has continuity in the coaching staff as well on offense. Yep, yeah, I love this. I love this bet, and it's really a tale of two different um, <laughs> progressions and regressions in these two futures bets that you picked because you have one team that did take the opportunity this offseason to surround their young (laughs) second-year quarterback with a better supporting cast, and you have another team that didn't, (laughs) like, at all. Yeah, and, I mean, the Texans, the division, it's not like it's, you know, very easy. But Mm. I think the Colts and the Titans – are more beatable than they have been in the last couple of seasons. Uh, the Titans especially, I think, are are more beatable this year than they have been. And, look, the Texans have the Bears, the Jags twice in their division. Um, they have the Giants, the Commanders, um, and the Browns on their schedule, possibly without Deshaun Watson. More than likely, they're going to have Deshaun at that point. That's a uh, December 4th game. So I think they'll have Deshaun. So maybe they lose that one. But still, with you know playing Washington, playing the Giants, and the Jags twice, and the Bears, yep. you know that's possibly five wins right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. You know, the Texans feel like, for me, one of those teams where they're going to finish probably bottom 10 again, but they'll be one of those kind of trap game teams where it's like one week they'll beat someone and you're like how did that team lose to the texans <laughs> you yeah. know yeah that's what i mentioned on the on the post as well in the reasoning i mentioned you know those five games that i meant the, the that i said and then uh you know add in an upset or two here or there mm-hmm. and that that gets you to to six or seven wins so yep Okay, uh, and then the Bears under six and a half. See, I know our guy Pat Dahl will hate this, but uh, yeah, the Bears are not, the Bears aren't going to be good. Uh, no. I have I have been a a Justin Fields detractor ever since he left Ohio State and came to the NFL. Uh, was absolutely terrible as a rookie. Um, I don't remember who he played the one game, but. He was holding the ball for like nine seconds every time and got sacked like eight times. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, like you said, the Bears did the opposite of the tech. They didn't get anything around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they added one thing. They added Valus Jones Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Byron was, Pringle. <laughs> yeah. Can't forget about Byron Pringle. And yeah, they didn't do anything else on offense. Most of their draft mm-hmm. and free agency was defense. So, yep. um, and bringing in a defensive minded head coach. Right. So that, and you know, they do have games that are winnable on the schedule. Uh, like I said, the Texans game, but I think the Texans beat the Bears. The Giants, they play the Giants and Commanders as well. Um, obviously, they play the Lions twice. They play the Falcons, and they also play the Jets. So there is an opportunity where I could see the Bears make this bet lose and get seven wins because of the amount of bad teams that they play. On the other hand, though, I don't necessarily think the... I, I think they could lose all those games too i mean i think the lions are pretty sneaky this year um jared golf in year two in that offense and we don't know what the giants are going to look like with brian dayball as head coach the commanders have carson wentz now so yeah i don't know and the falcon even the falcons we, we still have to see how Mariota is going to do in that offense. Um, and the Jets, a lot of people like like the Jets to improve this year. So, Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And I think 6.5 wins is super generous, like a super generous line for the Bears because for all the reasons you said, they, they just didn't get better and they weren't good to begin with. So um, they, they did not do enough to surround Justin Fields. He has one of the worst supporting casts in the NFL, not just in terms of weapons, but in terms of the line too, which is that they have an okay line, but for, for his style of play, they need a good old, um, you know, and, and I liked Justin Fields coming out. I like his arm talent, his strength, his accuracy. But like you mentioned, he has a problem holding the ball. And if his guys can't get open, I mean, it's going to be another ugly year for him. And if he has two ugly years, like how how can you hope to have him <laughs> progress in any meaningful way? Yeah. So I think I had – I think that I had the the Bears finishing like bottom five – when I did my initial record predictions after the uh, after the draft, um, and I'd still hold steady on that. I got into it on Twitter with the Bears fan the other day because I said that I firmly believe the Lions are going to overtake them for the third spot in the NFC North and potentially yeah. sweep them. And the guy said, he said, we swept them last year. What makes you think that – they're gonna somehow see i'm like you do realize like that the off season like some teams get better and some teams don't like that's what happens so the lions did a lot to materially change their roster for the better the bears did not and i think it's going to be a very tough year for justin fields and company and i think some bears fans will also go the route of 
defending their team by saying, yeah, but we have a good defense. But do you? Yeah. No. You lost yeah. one of the best pass rushers in the league in Khalil Mack to a trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, the secondary is not that great. Uh, Eddie Jack, the safeties are good. Eddie Jackson, uh, and they got Jaquan Brisker in the draft, which I like. Yep. But they don't have great corners. Uh, the linebackers on both sides of Roquan Smith yep. are yep. suspect, to say the least. At best, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, Khalil Mack, they replaced Khalil Mack with a guy who hasn't started an entire season in Al-Kadeen Muhammad. He, ha- yeah. he hasn't been a starter for a whole season. And he's so. more of a your like, run-stopping edge setter than, yeah. than like, a true pass rusher. Um, and they lost Team Hicks, right? He's he's with the Bucks now. Yeah. So Eddie Goldman gone yeah. now? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's just... It, it's like they hit a full rebuild, which is fine, but like you also need to help out your young quarterback and Yeah, and they, yeah. And they don't have a they don't have a number one wide receiver. Um, right. As much as Bears fans want to say Darnell Mooney is a number one wide receiver, right. he's not. <laughs> he's not yet. And, and I like Mooney and I, I'm high on him because He's he's in my dynasty team, <laughs> but as of right now, he's not. He, he's not close to a number one. Yeah. All right. Hopefully, we can speed through this NFC West preview, so uh, we can get your input on a, all four of the teams. But um, <laughs> talking NFC West, here are some newcomers to the division. We have Bobby Wagner coming from the Seahawks. I guess not newcomer in the division. He's one of the top Rams free agent signings. Uh, Bobby Wagner to the Rams. Uh, you have Javarius Ward there in the Niners uniform on the bottom. You have Marquise Brown in Cardinals. And then you have Drew Locke with the Seahawks. So we're going to start. We're going to go in uh, order of finish last year. So we're talking Rams first. Uh, Mark's Rams. And uh, so re-signings. Guys that they got to keep. Quarterback Matthew Stafford. Wide receiver Cooper Cup. Offensive tackle Joe Noteboom. Center Brian Allen. And defensive tackle Aaron Donald. Uh, free agent signings and trade acquisitions. Wide receiver Allen Robinson. Linebacker Bobby Wagner. Punter Riley Dixon. And then they also traded for corner Troy Hill from the Browns. Who was a Ram before he went to Cleveland. Losses. The NFC West uh, lost a lot when you look at all four teams aggregate. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of big names that they that this division lost. Um, Rams, though, running back Sony Michelle, wide receiver Odo Beckham Jr., who is still a free agent, uh, rumored to be coming back to the Rams eventually. Uh, wide receiver Robert Woods, who they traded to the Titans. Offensive tackle Andrew Whitworth, retired. Guard Austin Corbett, defensive lineman Sebastian Joseph Day. That is one that I think will be a bigger issue than the Rams mm-hmm. think. Yep. Um, linebacker Vaughn Miller, corner Darius Williams, and punter Johnny Hecker. Um, yeah. So, yeah, your thoughts on the the moves this offseason? Yeah, I just want to touch on again what you just mentioned about Sebastian Joseph Day. Um 
staying in he LA. Is, <laughs> yeah, he's staying in LA, going to go, reuniting. Went across with, the building. <laughs> yep, yeah. <laughs> he can walk there. He's going to walk. Uh, you know, the whole, really, the whole um, defensive structure for the Rams is to create as much havoc up front to free up Aaron Donald in one on one situations uh, so that you know, they can't just manufacture easy double teams on them. Um, in order to do that, you need to have versatile big man uh, up front who can move laterally along the line, do stunts, games, and twists um, to create that confusion uh, so that Aaron Donald can be himself. Uh, and Sebastian, uh, Sebastian Joseph Day was that for the Rams, did it very proficiently, um, was a stalwart on that D-line for them. And like you said, I think that's going to end up being a bigger loss than what they think. Um, another guy who he feels like the forgotten man is Bobby Trees, Robert Woods. Uh, you know, before he got hurt, I, I think people have forgotten, like, how important he was to that offense. And, I mean, obviously, Cooper Cup stepped up and had, you know, a phenomenal season, you know, one of the honestly one of the best in, in NFL history, if you really want to call it that. Um, but they kind of one-for-one one replaced Robert Woods with Allen Robinson. And honestly, with how A-Rob played last year, the last couple seasons, you know, I you're not sure yet whether that is really an upgrade um, if Robert Woods comes back healthy and can be that decent player he was before he got hurt. Um, and then another big guy I'd put, I'd put on two more other guys is Darius William, cornerback. He's a smaller guy, but he he was a perfect scheme fit um, Slot, for right? them. Yep. And um, Andrew Whitworth. Um, you, you can't you can't replace that kind of leadership. You just can't. And maybe you know he'll. I'm sure you know he'll keep those connections with the team and some of those relationships, but not having them in the locker room in games on that line. It's a big loss. It is. So I like the Rams to still be very good this year, but I think not enough people are talking about how much they did lose this offseason. Yeah, I think the Von Miller thing was weird, too. Uh, they didn't mm-hmm. replace him. Um, they have listed on ESPN right now Justin Hollins as the opposite to Leonard Floyd. Mm-hmm. So, will they have that third pass rusher um, right. outside of Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd? Or will right. Leonard Floyd... And again, that's another, yeah, that's another guy that you lose to help free up Donald. So. Yeah. Okay, uh, looking at their schedule, I have them going 10-7. and seven. Um, I think it's a much tougher year, um, mm-hmm. especially for who they play. They mm-hmm. play the AFC West and the uh, NFC South. So while the NFC South might not scare many people, um, yeah, in the public's view anyways, I think both the Saints and Bucks are going to be very good. Uh, but anyways, starting off week one, uh, I have them losing 
Losing the Thursday night football kickoff in L.A. <clears throat> to Buffalo. Uh, I Von Miller is going to sack Matthew Stafford at least once. Um, and, yeah, uh, they're going to lose to Buffalo week one. I have them beating the Falcons at home week two. Week three at the Cardinals. I have that as a win. I have them losing in San Francisco Monday night football week four. Uh, then I have two wins before the bye, home against the Cowboys, home against the Panthers. By week seven, I have them winning at home against the Niners in week eight, losing at Tampa, winning against the Cardinals. So they sweep the Cardinals. They split with the Niners. They sweep the Seahawks. Uh, they lose at New Orleans. They lose at Kansas City. They beat the Seahawks at home. They beat the Raiders on Thursday night football. They lose in Green Bay on Monday Night Football. They beat the Broncos at home, and then they lose to the Chargers in uh, L.A. because they're both in L.A. <laughs> so that's a, that's a Sunday night game. They lose to the Chargers. The Rams are the away team in that game. Uh, and then they beat the Seahawks in Seattle Week 18. 10-7 for me. Yeah, yep. And I'm just looking back to my – predictions that I put out a couple weeks after the draft and I am in agreement with you uh, 10 and 7 I don't remember exactly which games I have them winning or losing um, but I do have them in that 10 and 7 range and part of that is because their schedule is tough uh, and it's going to be tough when you play in a in a pretty tough division so 10 and 7 I feel I still think that they might be better than that record um, and, and still be able to make some noise in the playoffs, but that's where I have them as well. Yeah, so I always star games that I think are big uh, or could be flip-flop. Uh, all primetime games are always, or special games are always starred. So the first one I have starred is the first game. I, I mean, mm-hmm. that is going to be a massive game for both teams. Uh, I just think the Bills are better. That's yeah. why they the Bills are, are going to be a problem this year. That's yeah. why they're the Super Bowl favorites. I think they are right now. Mm. Um, week three, I have weeks three, four, and five all starred. Week three mm-hmm. is starred because I think that could be a flip. That could possibly be a loss. It's in Arizona early on, week three. Uh, they're coming off a cupcake against the Falcons. <laughs> Watch the Falcons are gonna beat him in week two. Now. <laughs> <laughs> There's always like that early like weeks one through three where you're like, how did that happen? Yeah, but I just don't think the Cardinals are going to be up to speed with mm-hmm. the new pieces that they have uh, on yep. offense. No DeAndre Hopkins for that game either. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the Rams can get that one done in Arizona. Uh, week four Monday Night Football at San Francisco. I have that as a loss. Again, it's an early season game, division game. I just think the Niners in San Fran is going to be too much. Um, So that one. Uh, And then another one that I could see as a loss, even though I have it as a win, is week five against the Cowboys. Um, I'm not exactly sure how the Cowboys are going to be yet, but uh, we'll we'll talk about that when we do our NFC East preview. Um, But, yeah, I think that's a flip-flop game. It's going to be a very good one. Uh, next one I have is week nine at the Bucks. That's a major game. I have that as a loss. 
two other away games that I have as losses in the Superdome in New Orleans and at Arrowhead and Kansas City. Both losses in my mind. The Saints one is a closer one. But um, I am believing in the Jameis Winston hype. And uh, if not that, I believe in the Saints defense a lot. Mm-hmm. And then Kansas City, it's, it's my homes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then I have weeks 14, 15, 16. The Rams are the most starred I have. I'm, uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, I have all starred. Yeah. 14 is a Thursday night game. Have that as a win against the Raiders. Could be close. Um, week 15 is also another primetime Monday night in Green Bay. Maybe we'll go to that one. Yeah. Make the <laughs> tickets trip. Will be, <laughs> tickets will be astronomical. <laughs> and plus, that's more than likely finals. Uh, week, yeah. Week 15. Uh Actually, I have the I have the uh, date right here. It's uh oh no uh, no that's a Monday night. It'd probably be the Monday after finals. Hey. It's uh it's December nineteenth. Actually, it might be the week the week after. Uh, like like a week and a half after. I don't know. Let's see if we can't get a mole sponsored. <laughs> Can they give us a stipend final. to get? <laughs> Yeah, post-finals <laughs> retreat. Uh, but yeah, that one, I had that one start as a uh, big game in the primetime. Week 16, the Broncos. I had them beating yeah. Russell Wilson. I had them beating Russell Wilson in L.A. Uh, another massive game. I think I might have starred all. Yeah, I did. I starred all four AFC West games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, that makes sense. Um, and then, yeah, week 17 at the Chargers. That's a Sunday nighter. They go they go three out of four on primetime. Right. Thursday night, Monday night, they have a uh, – the Broncos game is a 4.30 Eastern on Christmas Day. It's a Christmas mm-hmm. Day game. And then uh, because Sunday – it's Christmas on Sunday this year. Um, and then – they go Sunday night against the Chargers. I, that is a loss. That's uh, where they are. Technically, the away team, but uh, mm. they'll have more fans yeah. than the Chargers. Yeah. And, you know, I think people listen to this. Some people listen to this. They're like, you know, like they're the reigning Super Bowl champs. How do you have them at 10 and 7? Well, it's just exactly how you laid out. There are so many games on their schedule where it's like, okay, flip a coin. Whoever's healthiest that week has the advantage. Yeah. Yeah, so I have them going uh two and two against the AFC West. Losing to the Chargers and the Chiefs, beating the Broncos and Raiders. And uh going one, two, three. I have them going one and four in their uh primetime games. How it goes. Uh, fantasy wise for the Rams, we're looking at Matthew Stafford. Um, Matty Stafford, I'm not sure. Uh, he was one of my big sleepers last year. I, I loved him last year. 
I th- people are going to overdraft him this year. I can already see it. Yeah. Um, one season was enough for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna draft him like I normally would, like I did last year. Um, you can get him. I mean, last year you could you could get him between in the normal quarterback range, like seven through ten. Yeah. Round, round seven through ten. This year, people are probably gonna draft him in the freaking third and fourth round. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, yeah. It all depends on the ADP. Um, yeah, just be smart. You know, I'm not big on drafting QBs high, anyways. Just <clears throat> period. Um, because, like you said, you can find those guys in the back rounds that can have a career year, like Stafford did. Yeah, my my two guys historically were always. I would get. Philip Rivers and Big Ben late. And <laughs> they would just yep. they would be fine. They'd be good good guys yeah. that you could play. Yeah. Philip <laughs> Rivers would average like four hundred yards. Yeah. <laughs> and they still lose. <laughs> but yep. but you yeah. get a win. But you get a win in fantasy because he did. Right, exactly. <laughs> um running backs. We got Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson Jr. I think I really like Cam Akers. I don't know if anyone is going to be scared off his playoff performance because he wasn't that great coming back off the Achilles in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, I, I actually really like Cam Akers, and I think you could draft him. Um, I don't know what his ADP is, but I would probably look at him possibly in the second round. Yeah. Yeah, I I like him as, as a high-end RB2 um, because I think what – was more telling for me than his playoff um, appearance was his playoff usage. It was like the minute he came back, like they like dropped <laughs> Darrell Henderson and they gave him like a lot of the workload. So you really don't have to worry. I don't think uh, about his usage. Um, I think he'll be coming back healthy. He's kind of the workhorse guy and, you know, usage is one of the biggest things in fantasy that you can use to your advantage. So, I'm also high on Cam Akers. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because at the beginning of the season last year, we weren't sure. We weren't sure which guy was going to was gonna get the bulk. Mm-hmm. And then Akers goes down. Yep. Daryl Henderson gets a lot. He went down. We had some other guys in there. Um, wide receivers. Three guys. Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson. Again, people like Matthew Stafford, they're going to overvalue Cup. Historically, we've seen it. You have a career year, a freaking all-world year. <laughs> you're going to go back down. Now, I don't know how far he's going to go back down, but the people are going to – people are going to – I'm telling you, they're going to draft him like number three overall, yeah. and, and he's I not going to have that value. The last time I checked, I think ESPN has him second. Jeez. That's what like in the world. Yeah. I, I'd still feel comfortable taking him in the first, but like back end. Like I, I'm not I don't think I'm spending a top five pick. Right. And Cooper. it's like I love Cooper Cup. But the thing is, with that regression like I talked about, and also we haven't seen it's not like um it's not like a AJ Brown. It's not like a I don't know, other top receivers, you know, 
where it's you've seen it consistently over three or four years where you yep. know he's going to get a bare minimum of like a thousand yards and like seven touchdowns. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that in the longevity of Cooper Cup. Yep. To to that point yet. Yeah, you're drafting him that high. You're betting on the connection between him and Stafford, which again, like you said, we only have a one year sample size of that, so yeah. there is still some risk attached to that. Um, Allen Robinson, though, I I don't know what to think of Allen Robinson. <laughs> that's it's a big question mark. That's I mean that's kind of been him the last two years, right? It's like, what do we do with him now? Right now, where his ADP is, I kind of like it. Um, You know, he's going in later rounds. And considering that he's slated to be the number two option on a really good offense, like, I like that value. I like where it is right now. Um, But if that starts to change, he starts to become overvalued. Again, it's a big risk because we could be talking about a guy who just doesn't have it anymore. Um, I don't believe that. Um... But, I mean, his last two seasons have been bad. Um, yeah, so. I'm not drafting him unless there's no one else there <laughs> at this point. <laughs> uh, Van Jefferson, I don't I don't think. At one point, he looked like he was going to be, like, the next, next up-and-coming thing for L.A., but um, has fallen off to the wayside a little bit. Yeah. Uh, tight end Tyler Higbee. He's another one where I'm like, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see where he's at in our uh, when we do our fantasy rankings by position later, closer to the season. But he's another guy. I mean, I have him on one of my dynasty leagues. He's my backup to Travis Kelsey. Solid mm. backup. But it's just like, I don't know. He's going to get all the, all the tight end stuff because – Kendall Bland is his backup. So. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and the issue is that even though he's tight end one clearly for them, they don't use tight ends a lot in the right. offense. So. I feel like he's a touchdown-dependent guy. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, and then the Rams' defense. Uh, we talked about the guys they lost. Von Miller, Darius Williams. Sebastian Joseph Day. Yeah. Fading their defense for sure. Yeah. I still think bare minimum their their league average. Middle of the pack. Mm. Fringe starter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The Cardinals. Resignings. Quarterback Colt McCoy, running back James Connor, wide receiver AJ Green. Tight end Zach Ertz, tight end Max Williams, linebacker Dennis Gardeck. Had to throw him in there. I love Gardeck. Uh, free agent signings, trade acquisitions, running back Darrell Williams, guard Will Henders, uh, Will Hernandez, linebacker Nick Vigil, punter Andy Lee, uh, long snapper Aaron Brewer. Yes, I put the long snapper on there. And uh, they traded for wide receiver Marquise Brown. Losses. Running back Chase Edmonds. Wide receiver Christian Kirk. Offensive lineman Max Garcia. Defensive tackle Corey Peters. Defensive lineman Jordan Phillips. Linebacker Jordan Hicks. 
linebacker Chandler Jones, and corners Robert Alford and Malcolm Butler. A lot of losses on the defense. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fit, a lot of losses, and, uh, you know, it's tough for a team that didn't get over the hump last year. <laughs> it, they felt like they needed a couple pieces to kind of get over that hump, be competitive, and instead they lost quite a bit. Um, and the Cardinals are actually one of those teams. I have a galaxy brain hypothetical theory, if you will. I have the Cardinals imploding this year. I have my my win loss record for them right now is <laughs> let me pull it up seven and ten. Yeah, I have them at seven and ten. Um, I have Cliff gone. I have Steve Kime gone, even though he's the longest tenured general manager, right? Um, and I have them launching a full rebuild, which could potentially be trading. Kyla Murray for some picks on his like last year of his rookie deal. Um, it it just doesn't. They have an air raid system that doesn't have any weapons. Um, D Hop is gone for six games. Um, I like Marquise Brown's fit in this system, mm-hmm. um, but as much as we made fun of the Jaguars for signing Christian Kirk to that mega deal. Like, Christian Kirk was a big part of this offense who isn't there anymore. Um, the per- and, yeah. That, the, per- the perfect number two. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's just so many question marks. Tough schedule, again. Um, losing Chandler Jones. I mean, they have J.J. Watt as, like, their whole defensive line. I, I forgot to mention uh, – with the Rams, fantasy-wise, uh, we're doing uh, rookies in a separate category for fantasy. Running back Kyron Williams as well. Uh, mm. But he has a broken foot. I believe they said he should be back for training camp. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he was uh, he was drafted to be the PPR stud, pass catcher, out of the backfield. Um, so we'll see if he can uh, get enough reps in training camp to um, – be a dynasty stash potentially i don't like him but no yeah i wouldn't honestly i think there are better stashes um he just didn't test well like at all very slow and that just doesn't fit at that position yeah as far as the cardinals um i liked the uh the aj green resigning was interesting to say the least um I did like they they got, you know, a sort of replacement for Chase Edmonds and, and Darrell Williams. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the Marquise Brown thing, not just because he's on my dynasty team, but um, the connection, we'll talk about it more mm-hmm. in fantasy, the connection between him and Murray should be very good. Uh yeah, Chandler Jones is it's a big, big one. Uh, Schedule-wise, I'm with you, though. I have the Cardinals 8-9. and nine. Mm-hmm. Um, Week 1, lose to the Chiefs. 
Week two at the Raiders. Uh, the Chiefs one's in Arizona. They call it, their almost whole schedule is back and forth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at the Raiders week two, that's a win. Uh, shocking win, but a win. Uh, I have them losing to the Rams at home, beating the Panthers in Carolina, losing to the Eagles at home, beating Seattle in Seattle, uh, beating the Saints at home. That's a Thursday night game. Uh, at the Vikings, that's a win. Home against the Seahawks, that is a win. At the Rams, it's a loss. Uh, home against the Niners, that is a win. That is a Monday night game in Mexico City. So it's technically a home game for Arizona, but they're neutral site. Uh, home against the Chargers, that's a loss. They have a very, very late bye, week 13. Um, home against the Patriots on Monday night, that's a loss. At the Broncos, that's a loss. Home against the Bucks, Sunday night, loss. At the Falcons, week 17, that's a win. At the Niners, week 18, that is a loss. Eight and nine for me. I have uh, seven starred games here. At the Raiders, week two. Like I said, that's probably a shock to a lot of people. The Cardinals can beat the Raiders in Vegas, week two. And uh, I just said about how it's an early game. The Rams will beat them in Arizona. But, um, yeah, I think the, that's an early one. That I think the Cardinals will sneak up on the Raiders and get them in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a way game, but it's a short yeah, short little hop. Uh, week 5, another one that people may be surprised about. The Eagles, that's maybe in a homer for one. Uh, Buffer 2. I, I really like my Eagles this year. so. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that, yep. Even though they had to travel all the way out there. Mm-hmm. Um, week 7, that's a primetime Thursday night game. Uh, another one that I think uh, could be a loss. I mentioned how much I like the Saints, um, but I had the Cardinals beating them in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thursday night game, though. Uh, week 8 at the Vikings, I think that could be a loss. I have it as a win, but I think it could be a loss. I think the Vikings could sneak up on them uh, while they're at home. Uh, cards coming up to Minneapolis, I think. Vikings might get them. Uh, the Mexico City game, week 11 against the Niners. I have that as a win. I don't know. I just put that as a win. I am not completely sure about that one. Um, Patriots lost Monday night. That's another home loss that I have them taking. But I think the Patriots will get them. I think the Patriots will run the ball. Yeah. I don't, I don't think the Cardinals' defense will be ready for the run game. It's a late game, week 14. So uh, Patriots' run game should be settled by then. So. Yeah, I think that's one of those games where it's like it's not about like which team's roster is maybe better. It's about scheme, like what team matches up against them better. And yeah, like you said, like I think the Patriots will run over them. Uh, and then last one I have starred week sixteen. That's a Sunday nighter against the Bucks. That's a loss. Tom Brady will beat them. Mm. So yeah, I have them uh, two and two in their primetime games and 
many of their losses actually do I have uh, to yeah I only have them winning two games at home this season yeah <laughs> technically three because they're the home team in the Mexico City game but yeah eight and nine for me though you said seven and ten, right? Yep. So we're in lockstep on that one too. All right, moving into fantasy here. Quarterback Kyler Murray. I've never been high on Kyler. <laughs> I'm not drafting yeah. him. I'm not doing it. Not with no Hopkins for it six is. games. Yeah, it's um. You do wonder. You do worry about the size a little bit because his splits like. Pre-October or like pre-November <laughs> and post-November are like insane. Like weeks one through eight, he'll be an MVP contender, and like he'll like disappear. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're drafting him, trade him before your your league's trade deadline <laughs> <laughs> for for a lot, and make sure you draft right. a good backup. Right. And I mean, the value just isn't there either. Like the ADP forum, like you said, it's like QB like five or something, like QB five or six. And that's just, I'd rather wait and get QB like 10. Yeah. I think I did rank him as QB four last year or something like that, though. So I, I, I was believe, high on him last year. I believed him in last year. Yeah. <laughs> but after the deer in the headlights in the playoffs, I don't know. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, okay, running backs, James Conner, Daryl Williams. I think it's always, it's the same thing, though. Every year, you know, the guys that don't really pay attention to the offseason or don't really pay as close attention to, to the league as, as some other people, they'll be like, yeah, bro, but he, like, scored 10 touchdowns last year. It's like, yeah, but that was last year. <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to score ten touchdowns as a running back every year. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, well, and that, yeah, Connor's that screams touchdown um, dependence to me. Yeah, and, and but we'll see, we'll see because I think uh, I think we'll see Connor get a lot more workload, um, mm. and that scares me though because we saw what happened to him in Pittsburgh. When he got that it's, big of a workload, he couldn't stay on the field. Yep. So they signed Darrell Williams. I, I def, if you're drafting James Conner, you better be drafting the handcuff in Darrell Williams. Um, mm-hmm. Or the rookie, which we'll talk about. But um, yeah, I, I want to see how, how they use that. Uh, how they're going to split the workload between him and Williams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I expect Connor to get, like, the, the workhorse role, which is why he's getting so much fantasy hype right now and why his current ADP is so high. Um, but I am cautious just because, again, he just has not found consistency um, at any point in his career, really, so... Okay, uh, wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown, A.J. Green, Rondale Moore. 
So Hopkins, what is his value missing six games? So right now, I love his value. Because right now, at least on ESPN, I've been doing a few mock drafts here and there when I'm bored just so I can start gauging a feel of where, you know, the consensus is on him. They got him. You can get him in, like, the 12th round right now. Yeah. Um, And I feel like people are forgetting, like, who DeAndre Hopkins is. Like, healthy D-Hop is a top-five wide receiver in the league. Mm-hmm. Now, he's older, yeah. and the PED thing scares me, kind of. Um, but, like, at that point, it's completely worth the flyer, in my opinion. You wait the six weeks out, and then see what happens. Yeah, and I mean, in some leagues, I know in leagues that I run, you can put suspended players on the IR. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have a league like that, extra incentive. You can draft him and then pick up some other player at the wide receiver position in free agency afterwards. Um, yep. But, yeah, I like him. Uh, so in a normal season, he'll score, what, like like 250? 40, 250 points. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're looking at only 11 games. I don't know. You're still probably going to end up maybe with uh, 190 on the season. Mm-hmm. One, 175 to 190, somewhere around there, I would say. Yeah. So. And that's good value for a guy you get, like right now, like you can get him in the 12th round. Yeah. Marquise Brown. Okay, here we go. Marquise Brown, I love him. Uh, mm-hmm. He is going to be one of the guys that you're going to be able to get in the mid-rounds and going to be a superstar, especially the first six weeks when he's mm-hmm. getting all the attention from Kyler Murray. Um, yeah, I love the situation. The Oklahoma connection between those two uh, should work, I think. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. As much as I disliked the trade from a pure football perspective, because I didn't think the value was a first-round pick for uh, Marquise Brown, I love, love the fantasy um, connection. For all the reasons you just mentioned, his pre-existing chemistry with Kyle Murray, his scheme fit within that system, I think he's a way better fit in that system than he was in Baltimore. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like small guy and like a power option, like system, um, didn't really work out well. And I mean, but he did have a pretty good year last year in Baltimore. Um, so yeah. if he can keep that progression up in a better fit, like, yeah, I, I love, I love where he is right now in fantasy. AJ Green, now the third wide receiver, uh, when Hopkins comes back. Does he have any flyer value early on in the season, those six games? Not for me. I don't think, like, there are other flyers I'd rather use. Um, maybe he'd be a good, like, free agent pickup, like, for, like, a week or two. Like, if they're playing, like, a cupcake and, you want, and like, you need a guy to get you, like, 10 to 12 points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm not looking to roster him long term. Yeah, I think if you're if you if you're seeing him, uh, you know, late 
in, in your draft and you're like, you know, there's not really anyone else that's like a, a wide receiver two on their roster, mm-hmm. you know, might as well. He's going to be a wide receiver three on that roster eventually. But for six weeks, you're going to get wide receiver two usage out of him. So, uh, And then Rondale Moore. The only reason I put Rondale Moore on here. First off, he was a former second-round pick. <laughs> Second off, is he still dynasty relevant or not? Because I don't think he is. This is a very personal question for me because I have him <laughs> currently on my <laughs> dynasty roster. I was very high on Rondell Moore coming out because of, even though he had a small frame, he had a lot of strength uh, in his lower body. Um, pound for pound, you know, he's one of those dudes who's just kind of like a freak of nature, like Austin Eckler. Um, mm. But the historical hit rate for guys his size is just not there, one. And two, if you, like, look at his route tree, like his average his like average depth of target is like it's like nothing. Like they Number only five. use them on like swings sure. out of the backfield, like uh screens, you know. He has like no vertical um route tree. Yeah. So those are two huge things that are limiting him. Um so yeah, I mean I just don't I, I wouldn't I'd say like me personally right now, I'm not getting rid of him right now because his value is like nothing, next to nothing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, he is only going into his second year, so there's still time. But yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look great. If they wouldn't have traded for Marquise Brown, I would have said yeah. Like, mm-hmm. get Rondell Moore in your dynasty league if you can. Uh, if he's a free agent. Tight end, Zach Ertz. Uh, yeah, he's old now. Um, and it was a weird trade. It was a weird trade even at the time. I mean, because we saw yeah. the Cardinals not use the tight end, and now they have another receiver in Brown. Yeah, <laughs> it's like tight. That's what I I hate about Zach Ertz and fantasy is like, bro. When he was the Eagles, bona fide top five tight end numbers. Yep, Cardinals, <laughs> you're kidding. You're hoping for tight end two numbers. <laughs> yeah. But he's touchdown dependent too, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would be high on him if it if they didn't take McBride in the second. Like. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cardinals defense. Bottom third of the yeah, league. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't even touch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I we really haven't talked about special teams for either team either, because uh, I don't think either the Rams nor the Cardinals have very good uh, yeah. returnability. So, uh, rookies. So I'm a flip flop them because you already mentioned tight end Trey McBride. Um, he's going relatively high i believe i think he's going in the second round he's the number one tight end drafted mm-hmm. in rookie drafts right now i believe for sure um, yeah it was a weird draft pick for me uh and i'm not drafting him because 
for one, all my dynasty teams have stacked tight end rooms already. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, McBride though, what well, you you were already talking about him, so go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think his value is if like if you're in like a tight end premium league in like dynasty, then I think his value is pretty high. Um, I mean, like a late second, I'd feel comfortable with taking a flyer on, especially if you're tight end needy. Um, yeah, but like you said, like the the fit, I just don't love. Um, and tight ends take so long to develop, right. um, anyways. So, yeah. And the last rookie here is a guy I love, <laughs> running back Keontae Ingram. Uh, I love the situation um, because I mentioned James Conner getting the bulk of the carries. More than likely, won't be able to stay healthy. Yeah, Daryl Williams was a fill-in in Kansas City, had great numbers. Uh, I was shocked when I saw, because I have him on one of my teams, uh, and I can't move him or anything, right? Drop him if I wanted to, or I could trade him, but I, I don't want to do that right now. But uh, I, he had like, a, what was it? Like a hundred and, uh, I don't remember how much it was. He had over a hundred. He had like a hundred and sixty fantasy points last year. I was uh-huh. like, "Dang, dude!" Like, I did not know Daryl Williams had that many fantasy <laughs> points uh, in Kansas City. But yeah, I like drafting Ingram uh, late second if you can get him in the third round of your dynasty league. Um, hell, he might even go undrafted in some leagues. But. Um, yeah, I, I like Ingram. Yeah, this is this is a guy that I would take a flyer on. I like taking a flyer on him more than I do. Um, why can't I remember his name? Kyron Williams. Yeah. Um, just because I think he is a good fit um, with the Cardinals. There's a vacancy left by Chase Edmonds, which might be filled by Daryl Williams, might be filled by Keontae Ingram. It depends on who on which one plays better. Um. So, yeah, I, I do like – he's one of my sleeper guys. Like, if you want a flyer, if you want to get a little fancy and fresh, <laughs> take a look at take a look at Keontae Ingram. Okay, are, are, are you heading out now? Yeah, I am gonna, <laughs> I'm going to have to bounce here. I'll uh, let you finish up with our final two teams. Before you uh, go, though, give us, give us your records for the Niners and Seahawks. Sure. Sure. So the Niners, I have, I believe I have them at 10 and 7. Okay. Let me see. Oh, I actually have them at 11 and 6. So I have them winning the division. Wow. Um, quick hitter. I think that the Trey Lance like saga has become a little overblown. Like, I still think he's going to be very good in Shanahan's system. I think he'll be better than Jimmy G. I think he'll play well next year. So I have him at 11 and 6, winning the division. Um, Seahawks. Oof. I have Seattle. I have them going 2-15. and 15. Uh, I just don't. Like, there's just nothing to get excited about. Like, Geno Smith's the starting quarterback. Uh, or Drew Luck. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm not just I'm just not sure which one's better. Um, I, I got into it on Twitter with a Seahawks fan who was actually delusional enough to think that, like, Geno Smith was going to be better this year because he was getting, like, the starter reps. Like, yeah. he didn't have Russell Wilson his way anymore, so he's going to, like, pop off. Like, they're just not going to be good. So I have him at 215. Good news is and they'll be in play for C.J. Stroud. Bryce Young. <laughs> break tank, for, tank for Bryce. Break, 2023. For, break for Bryce. Yes. Yep. <laughs> All right, dude. I'll see you next week. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. Uh, So I will finish up the Niners and Seahawks here. So San Francisco, uh, re-signings-wise, running back to Michael Hasty, running back Jeff Wilson, tight end Ross Dwelly, defensive tackle Maurice Hurst, and then three corners, uh, Darquez Dennard, Dante Johnson, Jason Verrett all re-signed there. I think the Jason Verrett thing was massive for them to get him back. The rest of the guys are so-so. Um, they also, uh, in free agency, they did not have any trade acquisitions, but free agency, they signed wide receiver Ray Ray McLeod, tight end Tyler Croft, defensive end Kerry Hyder Jr., defensive end Kamoko Ture, defensive tackle Hassan Ridgeway, linebacker Oren Burks, Corner, Travarius Ward, and safety, George Odom. Love the Travarius Ward thing. He was a star in KC. Uh, should be very good. It was a big area of need for them, uh, was the defensive backfield and the corner position specifically. So I think they got a lot better there. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod should help their return game. We'll talk about that more uh, when we talk about fantasy. Uh Hyder coming back to San Fran after a, hi- a season hiatus in Seattle. Teray, I think, was going to be underrated. Him and Ridgeway, I think, are going to be very underrated uh, additions for the 49ers this season in their uh, defensive line rotation. Yeah, they have Teray as fourth string. I don't think... I mean, they're stacked at the defensive end position right now. But, yeah, Hassan Ridgeway, the main backup to Javon Kinlaw. Um, Losses, massive, massive losses for the Niners. Running back Raheem Mostert, wide receiver Travis Benjamin, wide receiver Richie James Jr., wide receiver Mohamed Sanu, and wide receiver Trent Sherfield. Uh, Guard Lakin Tomlinson, center Alex Mack, he retired. Uh, offensive lineman Tom Compton, defensive end Arden Key, D tackle DJ Jones. That is a big one. Big loss was DJ Jones in the middle there. Hoping Hassan Ridgeway um, will be a, a fill in for him. Defensive tackle Contavious Street, corners Josh Norman and Kayvon Williams, uh, and then safety Jaquiski Tart. Uh, was also a big loss, I thought. They filled his spot with George Odom. Uh, the, yeah, I, I think um, I think the Niners lost lost more than they gained, um, to, to be honest. So we'll see how that pans out. But for my record, I'm lower. I'm lower than uh, Logan was on Trey Lance and the Niners. I have him nine and eight, finishing second in the division. Rams first, Niners second, Cardinals third, Seahawks fourth. Nine and eight, 
for San Francisco. Week one at the Bears, that's a win. Uh, week two against, home at, against the Seahawks, that's a win. Week three at the Broncos, Sunday nighter, that is a loss. Week four, home against the Rams, Monday night, that's a win. Week five at the Panthers, that is a win. They win in Atlanta. Week six, week seven, home against the Chiefs, that's a loss. They lose at the Rams. Week eight, week nine is a bye. Um, and then they go Sunday night, Monday night, back-to-back again. Week 10 against the Chargers on Sunday night, that is a loss. They lose at the Cardinals on Monday night in Mexico City, week 11. Uh, week 12, they lose at home against the Saints, lose at home against the Dolphins, lose at home against the Bucks, And then they go uh, three, four straight wins to end the season at the Seahawks on Thursday night home against the Commanders at the Raiders, and home against the Cardinals, finishing 9-8. and eight. Starred games for me, I have a bunch on their schedule. Week 3 at the Broncos, Sunday night, that's a loss. They lose to Russell Wilson. I think they're, the Broncos are going to be too good in Denver uh, on Sunday night, early in the season for Trey Lance. Defense should stifle him. Uh, week 4 against the Rams, that's a Monday nighter. Uh, they get that win there early on in the season again. Last week in September uh, should be fine there. Week 8, their second game at the Rams. That is a loss right before the bye. That's why I started. Um, not good going into the bye with two losses. But you're still going to be, I have them going into the bye at 5-3. and three, So they're going to be right there. Um, coming out of the bye, week 10, Sunday night game against the Chargers. I have them losing five straight. Um, so you go into the bye at five and three. I have them coming out of the bye losing five straight, uh, with a gauntlet home against the Chargers Sunday night game at the Cardinals, Mexico city on Monday night, home against the saints, home against the dolphins, home against the bucks. I mean, they're at home for four of those five, but they lose because it's just a gauntlet of teams, Chargers, Cardinals, saints, dolphins, bucks, um, very good teams there. Uh, week 11, like I said, at the Cardinals, Monday night, Mexico City, that is a loss. Um, week 13, the Dolphins won. Probably surprised a lot of people. I am high on the Dolphins. I like the Dolphins this year. I think they are going to do very well under head coach Mike McDaniel. Um, so yes, I like the Dolphins. Upgraded supporting cast for Tua Tagovailoa. They beat San Francisco in San Francisco Week 13. Uh, Week 15 at the Seahawks, that's a win on Thursday Night Football. The only reason it started is because it's a prime time. Uh, Week 17 at the Raiders, big game there. They beat Vegas in Vegas, uh, probably propels them to a playoff spot. And then Week 18, this could be the make-or-break game for these two teams, 9-8, 8-9. I think 9-8 gets you into the AFC playoffs this year as a 7 seed. Um, so it's a massive game at the end of the year. Uh, I think the Niners and Cardinals are going to be two teams that are going to be fighting for that last spot in the playoffs. And I, I have the Niners taking it at home against Arizona. Fantasy-wise, quarterbacks, I have both listed, Trey Lance and Jimmy G. Reason why, Trey Lance, yes. People are going to be very high on him. I'm not. I'm not a Trey Lance guy. I'm not a Trey Lance guy, just like I'm not a Justin Fields guy. I, I'm just not. I just don't like those quarterbacks. I don't. That's just how it is. Um, 
so I'm not drafting Trey Lance. Um, I'm not drafting Jimmy Garoppolo either. But what I am telling you is if you're drafting Trey Lance, you should take a flyer on Jimmy G late, uh, depending on when your draft is and depending on if he's traded or not by then. Um, running backs, Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson Jr., Trey Sermon. Um, Elijah Mitchell, I, I do like. I think he's going to get the workload uh, for San Fran. You're hoping that Debo doesn't take some of those carries away like he did a lot last year. Um, but I like Elijah Mitchell. Uh, you know, he's probably going to be more of an RB2 for me, though. Not He's not an RB1 in my book. Jeff Wilson, Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon's fallen off the wagon. Third round pick two years ago. Um, yeah, he just has not worked out so far. Um, Jeff Wilson has been a plug-and-play guy whenever injuries have struck the Niners running back room. We'll see if that happens again this year. But he's always a streaming option if you need him. Uh, wide receivers, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings. I'm not that high on this wide receiver room. Um Debo, yes. Uh, it's just people are going to overdraft him, and uh, I am not going to be one of those people. If I can get him at good value, I will draft Debo Samuel. The quarterback situation scares me um, with an, an unproven Trey Lance. The contract situation scares me. Will he play or not? Will he be ready to play uh, if he holds out, which I think he will? Uh, because he still wants to be traded. So if if it's good value, I would say draft Debo. If not, if if it's too high and, you know, you're there, and uh, I would say don't take him. Don't overdraft him. Uh, Ayuk, he's a weird one. Um, can go up, can go down. Uh, so I'm not, I don't like Brandon Ayuk. I would say wide receiver three at best. Um, and then Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings, I would say if he's a free agent in your dynasty league or if there's not very many options in free agency after your draft, I don't think Jawan Jennings is going to get drafted in most leagues. So I would say pick him up as an undrafted free agent if you can get him um, and you have a roster spot. Tight ends, George Kittle, Tyler Croft, George Kittle, monster. He's going to be uh, top two or three tight end every single season with Travis Kelsey. Um, so, yeah, draft him. Don't don't overdraft him. Don't draft him in the first round. Don't draft any tight end in the first round. It's not worth it. I don't care how many teams you have in your league. Do not draft a tight end in your first round. Don't do it. Uh, but, yeah, George Kittle, he, he will be good. Draft him in the second round. Uh, or the third round if you can get him there. Uh, but, yeah, second round is where you should draft George Kittle. Tyler Croft is interesting, uh, but not interesting enough to, to draft or roster. Uh, and then the Niners defense. I think that I like the Niners defense the most out of all four of the uh, defenses in the division. Look, you got pass rushers, Bosa, Armstead, Kinlaw, Ford. They have a litany of backups at the defensive end, Hyder, Jackson, Ibukum, Willis, Ture. Uh, their defensive line rotation is just out of this world. Linebackers, I like Greenlaw, Warner, Alshair. Um, and then they have Burks, who they signed as a backup. Uh, 
And then the corner, they got a lot better in the secondary. Ward and Odom come in in free agency. They have Jimmy Ward. Uh, the other Ward, Jimmy Ward as well. Uh, Mosley they like. Verrett. Uh, Hufanga is another safety that they have. Uh, Ambry Thomas, who was great as an undrafted free agent last year. Uh, they, they have some good corner depth, so I think I like the Niners. I think they're going to end up maybe even uh, pushing for a top 10 defense in fantasy this year. Um, and then rookies-wise, running back Tyrion Davis-Price. So I mentioned Jeff Wilson Jr., Trey Sermon. Davis-Price could push. He is listed above Trey Sermon right now as a third running back. I think he could end up as the second running back if he progresses well enough. Jeff Wilson, I think they do really like Wilson's value as the backup to Mitchell right now. Uh, but we'll have to see how Davis Price progresses in training camp and whatnot. Um, but I think he's definitely a guy that you can draft uh, in Dynasty. Wide receiver Danny Gray, not that great. He is listed as fourth on the receiver depth chart, though. I'm not really high on, on Danny Gray at SMU, but he does have an opportunity. Uh, as the fourth wide receiver, injuries could occur. Ayuk has had injuries before. Samuel has had injuries before. Um, so I think there are opportunities, but I would say leave Danny Gray alone right now. And then the last rookie, quarterback Brock Purdy, you're not touching him. No chance. No chance. Should There's no reason you should have Brock Purdy on your roster. Okay, the Seahawks. <laughs> this is a fun one. Seahawks, re-signings. Uh, Geno Smith. Quarterback Geno Smith. Running back Rashad Penny. Tight end Will Disley. Defensive tackle Al Woods, corner Sidney Jones, safety Quandre Diggs. Free agent signings, trade acquisitions. Uh, wide receiver Marquise Goodwin, center Austin Blythe, defensive tackle Quentin Jefferson, linebacker Utena Nwosu, corner Justin Coleman, and then they traded uh, in the Russell Wilson trade, they got quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, and defensive tackle Shelby Harris. Um... In terms of acquisitions, I, I do really like Noah Fan. He has to stay healthy. Shelby Harris was, I think, the biggest get in that trade for them, uh, other than the draft picks. But, yeah, Shelby Harris, I think, was a fantastic um, acquisition in that trade. Uh, I think he's going to shore up the interior of the defensive line for them and uh, give great leadership in that locker room. Um I like the Austin Blythe signing. Quentin Jefferson's going to pair with Shelby Harris, so that should be a formidable duo in the middle there. Uchenna-Losu's a guy that uh, is under the radar at the outside linebacker position. Um, and then re-signing Quandre Diggs, I like that move. The uh, Rashad Penny thing, I think they got good value there with a guy that went off in the last month and a half of the season. Uh, losses, though. They traded away quarterback Russell Wilson. Uh, probably the greatest Seahawk of all time. Running back Alex Collins, running back Adrian Peterson, tight end Gerald Everett, offensive lineman uh, Jamarco Jones, offensive tackle Dwayne Brown, he's a free agent, but now facing legal trouble with the concealed gun charge. Uh, offensive tackle Brandon Shell, guard Ethan Pochick, who I think is a massive loss on the interior offensive line there. 
Uh, defensive end Carlos Dunlap. He is a free agent still. They should re-sign him. Uh, defensive end Rasheen Green. Defensive end Kerry Hyder Jr. Linebacker Bobby Wagner. And corner DJ Reed. So, yeah. I Obviously, Russell Wilson. Um, but they weren't winning with Russell Wilson. Um, they went 7-10 and 10 with him last year. So, it made sense to trade him. He didn't want to be there anymore. Uh, Pete Carroll won the quintessential power struggle, uh, if you will. Made sense to trade him, though, for the value that they could get at this point in his career. Gerald Everett they replaced with uh, Noah Fant. And, like I said, I think two big ones were Pochick. That was a massive one, I thought, to lose him in free agency. They got Gabe Jackson, Damian Lewis there as the guards right now. They also uh, have not re-signed defensive end Carlos Dunlap. I think they need to do that. He was great for them last year uh, in his first full season in Seattle after coming over from Cincy in 2020 midseason. So I, I, they should sign Carlos Dunlap if they can get him at a reasonable price. But they have some young guys that they like. Boye Mafe, Daryl Taylor, Lieutenant Owosu, Tyreek Smith, LJ Collier, and uh, Co. there. Okay, uh, record-wise, I have Seattle going 4-13. and 13, So I'm a little higher than Logan's 2-15. and 15, But 4-13 and 13, still going to probably be in that conversation for the number one pick next season. Week 1 against the Broncos, Monday night loss. <laughs> At the Niners, loss. Uh, they win against the Falcons. They win at the Lions. They lose at the Saints. Lose to the Cardinals. Lose at the Chargers. They beat the Giants at home. They lose at the Cardinals. Uh, I have them getting swept in the division 0-6. Uh, they lose at the Bucks. That's the game in Munich, Germany. Uh, I feel bad for the Seahawks. They're going to have to travel all that way to go to Germany to uh, get pelted by Tom Brady. They lose against the Raiders after their Week 11 bye. Uh, Week 13 at the Rams, that's a loss. They lose to the Panthers at home. They lose to the Niners at home on Thursday night. They lose at the Chiefs. They beat the Jets at home. And then they lose to the Rams at home. So 4-13 for me bunch of starred games week one against the broncos obviously russell wilson's gonna beat them monday night uh week one so it's gonna hurt for the seahawks fans to uh see russ go into seattle and beat them week three against the falcons and week four at the lions i have those as wins right now they could be losses to be honest uh and that would put them at two and 15 where logan's at right now so would not be surprised if uh, those are losses, especially the Lions one. Week 8 against the Giants, that's another one that I think, it's. I don't know. We'll see what Daniel Jones looks like in that offense. Week 10, that's a uh, special game. That's in Munich at the Bucks. Um, they're going to lose that one, though. <laughs> Week 15 against the Niners, that's a Thursday night game. They're only... Uh, other Monday, uh, their only other primetime game other than the week one Monday nighter. Uh, they're going to lose to the Niners in Seattle. 
And then uh, week 17 against the Jets. It's a win right now. Again, though, all four of their wins, I, I could see a potential where they could lose. I don't have them upsetting anyone. I think their schedule's too hard. Uh, teams that they could possibly upset, the Panthers, uh, I think they could do that, and I think they could get the Cardinals possibly once. They could be an upset candidate for the Saints, but that one's in the Superdome Week 5, so I don't really like picking that upset. Fantasy-wise, quarterbacks, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. So you shouldn't be drafting either of these guys. Drew Locke, I think, has the higher potential. Geno Smith's been in the offense longer, a lot longer. Uh, the last three or four years he has been in Seattle as the backup to Russell Wilson. So we'll see. It didn't look pretty when Geno started the game last year. Um, so we'll see. Uh, running backs, Rashad Penny, Chris Carson. So Rashad Penny, I, I do like. I think he's going to get undervalued in, in fantasy because he's on a bad team. So I think you can get Rashad Penny somewhere in the fourth or fifth round, and if you can get him there, I would say take it because they're going to be a run offense. They're, they're going to want to pass the ball because they're going to be down. Um, but I think Pete is going to run the ball, and I would say draft Rashad Penny if you can. Chris Carson, I feel bad. He was always one of my favorite guys to get in the mid-rounds, and he's not going to be there anymore, not with the addition of Ken Walker, uh, which we'll talk about. But um, – I would say Chris Carson is not draftable at this point with what the roster looks like. Wide receivers, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Freddie Swain, D. Eskridge. Metcalf, yes, draft him high. I, I don't think it's going to matter, the quarterback. We've seen it with other wide receivers that are very good. DeAndre Hopkins um, did it in Houston with sub- a mediocre quarterback play for years. Um, so I think DK can do the same. He should have enough target share that he can still produce at a low wide receiver one level. Lock it. Draft him later if you can. Um, he has fallen off a little bit. And we'll have to see which one uh smith and Locke like that's the issue with drafting any of the seahawks especially when you're looking at wide receivers tight ends guys that are catching the ball the uncertainty of which guy it's going to be under center i think changes the values because i think there are higher values if drew lock is the guy because he has a bigger arm than it is if Geno Smith is under center. Then I would, if, if Smith is the guy, I would say Rashad Penny's value goes up. If Locke is the guy, I would say Penny's value stays the same and the receiver's tight end's value goes up with the bigger arm. Um, but yeah, Lockett, I would say draft later if you can. Freddie Swain is a guy that uh, I don't really like that much. D. Eskridge is a guy you could possibly, if he's a free agent, um, stash him on, on your dynasty taxi squad if you want to. Tight ends, Noah Fant, Will Disley. Noah Fant, I know a lot of people are high on him, but when you look at it, he really didn't perform that well in Denver. And he also 
was injured a lot in Denver. So I think that's an issue with this tight end room. Will Disley has had major injuries as well. Um, he has been very, very good when he has played uh, or before he got injured, but has not been the same since. Noah Fant, again, we'll have to see which quarterback it is, Smith or Locke, and that I think will determine his value. But I do think you can get tight end two numbers out of Noah Fant. Seahawks defense, don't touch it. Um, they should be better than last year. Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton, at linebacker. Um, they do have some good corners in uh, Trey Brown, Sidney Jones, Justin Coleman, uh, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen, who they drafted, which I love. They also have uh, John Reed, Artie Burns, uh, and then they have the safety tandem of Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, Marquise Blair, who they got in free agency. Um, but I, would, I wouldn't draft them. They're going to be down in a lot of games. Um, I forgot to say with the Niners special teams, I think that could push them into the top ten. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod was one of the best punt returners last year with the Steelers, and I think he could uh, upgrade their return game in the punt return aspect anyways. Maybe not kick return, but punt return. Uh, not really return-wise here. Um, Freddie Swain and DJ Dallas are your punt and kick returners. I'm not scared by either of those guys, so I don't think that adds to the value of the defense special teams fantasy unit. So, yeah, don't draft the Seahawks defense special teams. Rookies-wise, running back Ken Walker, he is going uh, in the top three in most rookie dynasty league drafts right now. Um, and I'm not really sure why. I couldn't tell you. I like Rashad Penny. Uh, I love Ken Walker. Loved him more when he was Kenneth Walker at Michigan State, but... Um, you know, he he should be drafted. He has an opportunity. He's on a bad team, and I am I'm not so sure uh, about his longevity. He got a lot of carries at Michigan State, and we'll have to see. But I am not too high on him. In redraft leagues, I think you can take a flyer on him late um, when you're getting into that range where you're drafting rookies defense and kickers so yeah that's where that's where i would say ken walker is uh and then the wide receivers bo melton Derek young no don't draft them um in either dynasty or redraft I, I don't think they're worth it right now um bo melton has a higher ceiling Derek young's probably not going to make the roster uh but yeah Neither are really worth a roster spot at this point. So uh, my division rankings end up Rams. They win the division at 10-7. and seven. Niners at 9-8. and eight, They get a wild card. Uh, Cardinals miss the playoffs at 8-9. and nine, And the uh, Seahawks miss the playoffs potentially... Uh, in the running for number one overall pick at four and 13. Logan had the Rams at 10 and seven, second place, the Niners at 11 and six and first, the Cardinals at 
uh, 7 and 10, I believe, in third place, and the Seahawks at 2 and 15, getting the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft. So that is the NFC West. Next week, we'll be back talking season previews. We're looking at the AFC North, and next week, we will have a special guest rejoining us. It will be University of Georgia professor Dave Muai. He will be back talking Steelers with us, talking new Steelers, uh, new outlook in Pittsburgh at uh, Acrishore. Acrishore Stadium. It sounds stupid. I don't know. Uh, but that's the show for today. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media, at FAA Podcast, on Instagram and Twitter, at uh, or FAA Podcast. Dot com is our website. You can check us out here on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Facebook, etc. And don't forget also to follow our new account at FAA underscore bets on Twitter to get all our futures coming out this summer. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, Logan. And we will see y'all back on Monday.